Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Sometimes I think we think about Jesus in in very abstract terms. But I I want us to make it real personal for a second. Imagine that you were with Jesus while he was on earth. You were one of the one of the twelve. And you got to literally spend your days in the presence of God. Just doing normal stuff. Just eating and talking and fishing and just being in his presence. And then he tells you that I'm going to be leaving you pretty soon. And you don't know all that that means he seems so weighed down. And you just got one of these songs, God, I, I just, I love you today. What if today was the last day you got to tell God that you loved him? So, can you picture yourself? Yeah, I, I, I kind of see myself walking, walking on the beach, the the Sea of Galilee, it's beautiful out there and it's really calm and there's a slight wind and the birds are in the background and it's just just me and Jesus walking on the beach. Just being with them. Knowing that I was fully known and fully loved just like I am. I want you to picture that scene with you and Jesus. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a portion of our scripture this morning from the gospel of John. And it's, it's one of the last things that Jesus said to his friends as he was preparing to leave them. He said these words. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you my friend. For all the things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Jesus 
loves us so much. And he loved us enough to put us in a family that would remind us of the sweet and gentle love of our Savior. And so today we're going to spend a little time unpacking what it means to live as a friend of God. Would you bow with me as we begin? Father, we come into this place with so many other burdens and worries on our minds. We got to-do lists and bills and plans and thoughts and God, we can barely find a moment's peace to even turn our attention to you. So God, help your children in this moment. Help us to see the great gift of love that you are and have given us in this life. Help us to bask in the glory of your presence and help us to live as the people that you called us to be. Not just in love with you, but Father, loving each other that you may be glorified. Help us, Father. Still our quiet hearts. Bend our stubborn knees and have your way in our lives. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's children said amen and amen. Good morning, family. I want to talk about this issue that I think was really the key issue in this text that we read. And it's an issue that I think we take for granted and often don't spend enough time thinking about. Many of us know that passage and are familiar with that portion of Scripture, and clearly it is, it is uh, a statement that Jesus is making about himself that he has given the greatest sacrifice possible that he literally gave up his life for those that he loved and that there was no greater gift than that that he could offer us. And that statement is, is amazing. It's beautiful. I, I, I think of this scripture often when I think about my own journey of faith. I shared with the first service this morning that, that it was Pastor Long, I believe, preaching from this scripture that, uh, was one of the most pivotal moments in my own faith journey. And, and this is what he said. He said, Jesus was God extending the hand of friendship to his lost creation. And it clicked for me in that moment. There is a friendship with God that is being offered to us. And that is the attempt of God to demonstrate the fullness and the power of his love for us. Now, that is a wonderful revelation, but I would say that there's more that Jesus is really talking about. He is talking about his loving sacrifice as an example of ours, as, as, as a precursor to the kind of relationship that we should have 
in this world. What I'm saying is that just as Jesus was able to lay down his life for his friends, we are able to lay down our lives for our friends to replicate the incredible love of God that we have received. I think he's trying to make it clear that there is a privilege that comes with being a friend. He said, you're no longer my servants. I have called you my friends because now you're in on the family business. Once you understand and see what my father in heaven is doing and you are part of our work, then you are no longer second class anything. You are full partners, my brothers and sisters. You are heirs with me. You are my friends and co-laborers as we manifest the power of the kingdom in a broken and hurting world. And he says, by the way, as you do it, you should go and be fruitful while you go. Friendship is an invitation to fruitfulness. There is something that is birthed, something that is created, something that is multiplied when we are living fully into these loving relationships that God has called us into. I think we spend so much time when we talk about relationships, and that's the series we're on, that we think about marriage relationships, and we think about parents and children, and we think about brothers and sisters, and all those are wonderful, but I think we're neglecting one of the highest callings from Jesus Christ himself. That is to be and to live in a friendship relationship that has eternal significance as we grow together in Christ. So I called this sermon as I was thinking about this, Got Friends. I, I, I want to I ask us today to do a little, a little fruit inspection of our relationships. I, I want to ask us today to do what I'm calling a friend inventory. And look at the circle of people that we surround ourselves with. And, and look, at the, look at the relationships that we are a part of and cultivating. And see if it represents the kind of friendship that God has ultimately designed us for. I think in a lot of cases we will find that we have gotten to the point where we're just kind of living in autopilot. I mean, it doesn't take long, right? We get to maybe a certain age or a certain life stage and we've got our, our work life and we got our family life and we got our, you know, kind of our neighborhood that we deal with and we got our hobbies and clubs and interests and we got everything kind of laid out and we just kind of go forward in this mode expecting things to just kind of stay the way they are. And I'm saying that there may be friendships that God has called us into that we are missing out on and thereby missing out on the most fruitful part of our time as a child of God on this side of heaven. L- let, me, let me unpack that a little bit. What, I, what I'm trying to say is I think there are levels of friendship. And, and I want you even right now to start thinking about your friends, your circles of influence, your, your inner circle and your acquaintances. I, it was, it was uh, brought to my mind specifically this week. I was, uh, I was on social media. And I'm part of a group, and we're we're going back and forth. And, and I and I made a post this week um, that some would consider a little controversial. And so there was people kind of bantering back and forth, and this this uh, this conversation is happening. And 
And about two days later, I checked back on Facebook, which is where I posted it, and I had a series of new friend requests. Now, I didn't know almost none of these people. And so it was interesting to me that Facebook even uses the term friend. Because I'm thinking, y'all don't know me. And as I was looking at the people, some of them I knew were standing in favor of what I had posted and were coming to be in relationship, begin a, a, a virtual relationship as an affirmation of what I had posted. Some of the list I knew did not agree with what I posted and I knew had ulterior, alternative motives for wanting to be my friend, so I didn't accept those. Because the word friend has a layered meaning. And everybody who calls themselves a friend does not necessarily have your best interest in mind. And, and so to me, it makes it so, so clear that we got to understand, well, what, is, what is this friendship thing really about? And, and let me take an inventory of who I call my friends. And so I, 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 was, I, I took the liberty to, to try to give us a framework by which you can think about the people that you have in your circle of friends. And I would say that the, the entry level to this friend relationship is what I call common circumstances. Something that you have uh, that has put you in the same maybe geographical location. Maybe it's people that we grew up with. Maybe it's people that we were going through a similar life stage. I remember when my, my wife was pregnant with our youngest son and we were taking Lamaze classes. So all of a sudden we are in fellowship with people who are pregnant at the same time that we were. Maybe it's people who are on your job and you, you work at the same place. And, 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 I, uh, I, I was, uh, and when I was in corporate, we would have these periods of time where we were focused on a project and we were, our success, our career was tied to us being uh, successful in this project. So we were very much aligned. We had a lot in common. We were in the same place working on the same thing. But as soon as that project was over, so was the relationship. And so we may call those people friends, but really associates is a better word. It's people that we have there for maybe a, a brief season. We've got something in common, which, which kind of moves us to the second level, that you may have people that you have common interest with. Maybe you like the same activities. Maybe you have uh, the, same, the same social circles and you find yourself interested in the same priorities. Maybe it's, it's a justice cause. Maybe you have a heart for, for, for seniors or for children or for, for the homeless. And, and there's some cause that is causing you to come together and say, we are unified around this issue. And because of our commonality of the concern for this issue, we find ourselves in, in, a, in a friendly relationship. And that's wonderful. That's great. I, I think those can be foundation blocks for great relationships. But again, what we're really concerned about is the cause, not the person. And so once the cause is complete, or once I enter into a different season, I've got a different cause, then again, those relationships tend to fade away. There's nothing wrong with those. But that's not the kind of friendship that God is talking about. There's another level, and, 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 and our circumstances and our interests can be building blocks, but I'm offering the friendship that God is talking about, the friendship that he has called us to, and the friendship that we are most often lacking is the one that calls us together in a common purpose 
and a common vocation, a common calling. We are called to be about the master's business in fellowship and unity together. And to me, that, that's really the top of the food chain because now not only do I care about the issue, not only do I care about what we're working on, not only do I care about us being in harmony for a cause, I care about you. I, I care about what's happening in your life. I, 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 care about, I care about are you growing? Are you flourishing? Are you becoming the fullness of all you could possibly be? And it's not just about the activity. It's about the intimacy and the vulnerability and the sustainability of our connection. And, and that happens in a powerful and unique way when we are tied to a kingdom calling. That's what Jesus was talking about. I've put you together in unique relationships, developed the friendships that you will love one another, and in that you will witness the power of the Holy Spirit moving in your life in ways that can't be manufactured by any club or hobby. And he's calling us into these deeper intimate, powerful, spiritual relationships. And so I ask you again, brothers and sisters, you got friends? You got friends like that? And here's my goal. I want us to do one of two things. By the end of this conversation, I hope we are either A, longing for friends that are spiritual friends, or B, thankful for the ones God has given us. If you got some, you better be thankful. You better, matter of fact, right after service, call them and tell them, thank you, I love you. I'm so grateful that God gave you to me because it's a rare and precious gift. I think it's one of the most precious gifts God can give us on this side of heaven. And, and we got to see that every friend that I have, everybody that I hang out with, ain't that. And I got to realize that none of those other levels can substitute for the level that God has really called me to be operating at my fullest at. So what I want to do is I want to take a couple of minutes and I want to go to Proverbs. I want to go to the book of wisdom just to tease out a couple of points about what is this friendship that is at this level of, of, of common calling, common purpose. What does it look like that makes it different from the other relationships that, again, are perfectly valid? And there's nothing wrong with seasons of friendships, but we got to tie into the ones that we were really designed for. So let me give us a couple of points. I'm going to give you some quotes from Scripture. The first thing I would say is that at that top level, there is a unique character of friendship. Friendship takes on a unique character. Let me give this to you from Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The New Testament puts it this way. Some of y'all didn't know this was actually in the Bible. Bad company corrupts good character. Who you rolling with really does matter. We can be corrupted by the influences of the people that we hang out with. Matter of fact, science will show that we tend to, we tend to acquiesce to the lowest common denominator, which means the person with the lowest moral, moral character in your crew, he's pulling everybody else to him. Amen in the name of Jesus. God is saying, be careful about who you are allowing to influence you because it matters. It affects your character. It affects your ability to live into the fullness of the calling of God on your life. And, and so some of us, we got crews, right? We got people we hang out with. We've been, they've been with us for years. We grew up together. We went to school together. We did all this stuff together. But you know what? It's really a den of thieves. 
I said it. Truth be told, there is nothing in that posse that is calling us to live more and more in the image, in the light, in the reflection of the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we hang out, we have a, we party, it's a good time. But God is saying, who are the friends that are shaping you and molding you and creating you to look and talk and act and think more like me? We got a hole in our friendship level. If everybody in our crew is counting on us to be the more moral and spiritual lighthouse, we should think about who our friends are and the circles in which we have surrounded ourselves. Number two, I call this one the reality of the tough love of friends. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18. It says, a man with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. Now, there's another scripture that kind of goes along with that that says the, the, the many words from a friend may, may um, many words from an enemy may, may, may kind of boost you up, but words from a friend can harm you, hurt you in the best ways. So I would ask you this, who in your friend's circle has permission to tell you when you're out of line? Let me put it this way. Which one of your friends in the last 12 months has told you you were tripping? You, you tripping. Because all of us have been out of line somewhere along the way, probably in the last 12 minutes, much less the last 12 months. And so who has permission to speak into our lives to tell us when we are drifting far away from the divine, righteous, holy calling as a child of God that has been placed inside your spirit as you are being manifested into the fullness of Christ? Who can tell you that? Who have you given authority to speak harsh truths to you? And it's tough love. If you got a posse of yes men, yes women, We're not getting the people that God wants us to have deep relationships with. If you know in your heart that you acting kind of funny and nobody's saying anything to you, girl, you right, you right, go on and do that. Brother, you fine, that's all right, it's okay, don't worry about that. We need another crew. We need someone who holds us accountable even when the truth hurts us a little bit. I mean, let's take something silly. You ever had anything in your teeth? You went out to dinner, <laughs> you was eating all kinds of stuff, and you get home, and you're like, I know. I know they did not let me sit there the whole time with all this stuff in my mouth and didn't say nothing. I mean, it's a little embarrassing, right? Hey, uh, hey player, you got a little, you don't get that right there, right? It's a little embarrassing. You're a little embarrassed. But aren't you grateful for that slight injurious moment that they didn't let you out there and stay out there for the whole world to see your embarrassing moment? And so we need friends that will tell us, hey, you got something in your teeth. Hey, your decisions have been raggedy lately. Hey, your enemy wasn't completely lying about you. We need people that will give us That hard truth, not to tear us down, not to make us feel bad about ourselves, but to help perfect us 
to help us grow and be stretched beyond our comfort zone. There's elements in every one of our lives that God is trying to shave away. And so we need to give people permission to speak that truth in love because we know that they love us and they're not trying to hurt us. And their intentions are for us to be more than we are today. Do you got any friends? And, 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 and what's, what's, what's great about that is they will even stick with us when we are in our raggedy moments. Right? When we don't have it together. When, when we're making bad mistakes. There's, there's a scripture uh, in, the, in the book of Job. And Job was going through horrible situations. He lost his, he lost his family. He lost his children. He lost his, his prestige, his, his, his material possessions. He was a hurt and broken man. And some friends showed up, and they pretty much just dogged him out. They just talked bad about him, accused him, made him feel even worse about his circumstances. And there's this unique scripture, I think it's Job 13, 6, and, and God says, even someone who is turning away from God deserves a friend who will stay by them. Wow, that's powerful to me that even when we are struggling somewhere along the way in this journey of life, everyone who's a follower of Christ will have what's called the dark night of the soul. A moment where you wonder, is this God thing real? If God really loved me, why would he allow these circumstances to happen to me? How can I possibly be in this situation at this point in my life? I thought my life would be so much different at this age and at this stage. Where is the God who supposedly loves me and protects me? Should I even count on him anymore? We're going to have those faith crises. We're going to have situations where people have died and we've lost what we cared about and we lost what we worked so hard to build up and we're broken and we're hurting and we feel lonely. And you know what God does? He uses those moments to let you see who your real friends are. (laughs) The ones who just like Jesus will not leave you or forsake you. The ones who will be with you and for you. The ones who will stand there and visit and hold your hand and weep when you weep and celebrate when you celebrate. Those are the ones that, that, that don't away when the chips are down and it's a precious gift from God and so he calls us to be mindful of those that there is a a friend who stays closer than a brother I know some of us came up hearing that blood is thicker than water and I, I get it I get it but I think about Jesus and I think about that 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 time when when, when his biological family who, who was not with him, not for him, didn't believe in him, wasn't, wasn't walking with his heavenly father. And, and so they were coming to be with him and they loved him, no doubt. But he said, wait a minute, I need to stay close to my brothers and sisters that my heavenly father has given me. Those who are doing my father's business, those who love my father and are following his word, that's who is my mother and my sister and my brothers. Brothers and sisters, we cannot devalue the spiritual family that God has placed us into. It is valuable. It's an incredible opportunity to to experience the fullness of God. Some of these people sitting next to you in these chairs will be closer to you than any brother or sister biologically you could ever have. Some of these opportunities to witness the power and the love and the mercy of God are sitting right in these seats around us. 
And because we are locked into this, this, this mindset of just kind of going through life and being satisfied and not seeing the blind spots in our friendship inventory, we're missing out on some of the greatest opportunities to experience the power and love of God that is sitting right in this room with us right now. Third one, a friend loves at all times, Proverbs 17, 17. I I want us to make this distinction, and this is to me kind of the distinction between level two and level three. I've kind of already mentioned it, but there is a distinction between friends and companions. Companions love you. Companions support you. Companions might have paid your rent. Companions might have been there when you were in the midst of a crisis. They were a great gift from God. They were a support system, but companions are there for a season. And we have to release people out of the season for which God called them into our lives. Some of us don't have any room for the new friendships and relationships God is trying to bring into our lives because we're so busy holding on to the ones that have outlived their season. We remembering somebody that was cool with us when we were nine years old. You are 75 years old. Pookie from the block is not thinking about you anymore. But we got our crew and we're locked in and this is my pie, this is who I roll with. But God is trying to bring new opportunities in. He's trying to be people that will be for you, not just in this season, but for the rest of your journey. They will love you through thick and thin and they will show you what the love of Christ looks like and feels like and tastes like if we would just open up. And by the way, can I tell you, some of these friends are going to come in packages we're not thinking about. They're not going to be from the same hood we came from. They may not make the same amount of money that we make. They might not even speak the same language that we do. God can use anyone that he may use someone that you are not expecting to bring an incredible divine blessing and power into your life. And if we see that opportunity, even when it comes in a different package, brothers and sisters, I encourage us to live into it. To see what God may be doing with the relationships that are people that have godly motives and godly discernment and and a heart for the things of God and a heart for the people of God. And God may be bringing it in a package, maybe an older person, maybe a younger person. You don't know what God is going to do as he's desiring us to be in relationship with him and relationship with each other. And so in in this inventory, and again, I'm I'm not necessarily saying cut off your friends. I'm saying prioritize your friendship inventory. That we got the posse, we got the crew, we got the hangout, we got the, the, the party friends, we got all these other things, we got the coworkers. But who is at the core of your friendship circle? The ones that you can be totally honest with where you are in this point in your journey. The times when you're mad at God. The times when you're not sure God has still got his hand around you. The time when the circumstances in your life have you so overwhelmed and confused and drained that you're not even sure you want to go on. Who is the people that you turn to and give them authority to speak into your life? And by the way, you can't find them unless you're willing to be one of them. See, see, at this level of friendship, it's not just all about me receiving. That's the entry level. That's the people who can hook me up. 
Yeah, you my friend as long as you hooking me up. But as soon as your hookup runs out, we're not going to hang out much. And some of us can't find the level of friendship that we're desiring because we're not willing to be that for anybody else. And so what God is calling us into is to tear off some of our own stuff and say, who can I pour into? Who can I add value to? Who can I be a blessing? Who can I be an encourager to? And God, may we have this mutuality in our relationship that we may both grow. And this is the last one I want to give you. Here's how you know when you have one of those relationships. It's one of the first scriptures I ever learned. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Who in your life do you know you are better and they are better because you are friends together? Who do you know is helping you become more fully into the image of Jesus Christ because you're invested in their life and they're becoming more like Christ because you are invested in theirs? Who is your ironing that's sharpening iron? And by the way, it may not be the person you always get along with the best. Ain't nothing wrong with being mad at your friend from time to time. You can be mad because your friend keep bringing up stuff you don't want to talk about every time they see you. They can get on your nerves from time to time. I mean, that's what irony, I mean, it's the friction. God puts us in places of friction as he's smoothing away those areas of our life that are inconsistent with the image of Jesus Christ. So you should have a friend that gets on your nerves from time to time. That's okay. Someone that you're kind of mad at because they rub you the wrong way, but you know their motives are pure and you know they are doing the things that are making you better than you would be without them. It takes a special person to be the spiritual friend that God has called us to have. There's not many of them. The other thing about that inventory is that it's kind of like a pyramid. It, get, it gets pretty small at the top. You know, I, I, haven't, I haven't looked at that lately, but just going back to the social media thing, I, I think I have, I don't know, maybe it's 300 Facebook friends. I certainly don't have 300 spiritual friends. I'm not even looking for 300 spiritual friends. I'm looking for a select few for whom I can be totally vulnerable, who will hold my trust and my confidence, who will love me even when I'm messing up, and who will never be satisfied with me settling for being less than the great calling that God has on my life. Do you got any friends. It's one of the greatest gifts I think God has for us. And, and can, I, can I be so bold to say this also? It only happens in the body of Christ. You, you, you can't live into this incredible, divine, spiritual friendship outside of the body of Christ. Because we need people that are also guided and led and, and discerning what the Spirit of God is saying to us and through them for us. So we've got great people. We've got people that love us and care for us, but I, I'm talking about something different. Paul, Paul put it this way. He says this to the people in Thessalonica. He says, we are in spiritual friendship. There is a purpose. There is a calling behind our relationship. And, and it happens because we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. See, there's two things happening. 
I am loving you and you are loving me. And we are both encouraged by our relationship. But it's not just about us. The gospel is being proclaimed by our friendship because we made room for the spirit to multiply this relationship to be something bigger than we ever thought it could be on our own. That's what I'm talking about. Do you have friends through which the gospel flows through you together more powerfully because you're in relationship with them? They're revealing to you gifts that you didn't know you had. They're they're challenging you to do ministry in ways that you never thought you would ever be called to do. You're helping them see the amazing ways that God has used them and even kept them in the midst of their challenges. And because of that, your own faith is growing, their faith is growing, and you are an influence to the people around you. That is what spiritual friends do for us. So I just want to ask you again, do you got friends like that? It was Jesus's most fervent calling for us. Let me read it again. I just want to give it to us again, right from the words of Jesus. This is one of the last things that he said to us as he was preparing to go back to the Father. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's the fulfillment of of the promises of God, of the law of God, of the calling of God, to invest our lives that the Spirit of God may be manifested to us, in us, and ultimately through us. So it's my prayer that we stop and soberly reflect on the relationships that we have, prioritize those that have the kernel of divinity in them. Put those at the priority for where we spend our time and our energy and wait to see how God multiplies our faithfulness in living as people who love like he does. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I pray in this moment as we are thinking about all that you have brought into our lives, about the ways that you have kept us, protected us, loved us. And God, you've given us this incredible gift of family. Your word said you didn't leave us as orphans. You brought around us brothers and sisters who would be the reflections of your glorious love in our lives and that together we would be a city on a hill. We would be salt and light that by our love for one another, those that are far away from you would be drawn near. God, help us to see those relationships that you have given to us. Help us to love one another the way you have loved us. And may your spirit be manifested more fully in our lives, individually and together as the people of God. We thank you for this family that we call South Bay Community Church. We thank you for the brothers and sisters who have cried with us, who have encouraged us, who have kept us and reminded us of your presence. 
May this community reflect the awesome power, grace, forgiveness, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus, our Lord, Savior, name. Amen.